You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you're challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host India Jackson to get the dialogue going. Hello. Hey, Miss India. So... We have a little surprise today. We brought a guest along with us. We got a lot of guests lately. Don't y'all like that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's been um, some conversations around um, one of the specific things has been productivity. And there is only one person that ever comes to my mind when I think about the whole, like, let me think about the tangible and let's think about what productivity is and what it isn't. And this is somebody that I think that not only is this their zone of genius, but they absolutely have this aura about them that is like, no, work and then go live your life, please and thank you. Come report back later. And for that, I would like to have them introduce themselves, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Rachel Cook. Hello, ma'am. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk all things productivity and how we can do the things we love without the hustle and burnout. So with that being said, give everybody a little bit more, uh, for those that don't know, Mm -hmm. that have been under a rock, um, a little bit more (laughs) about what you do, why you do it, and how you do it. Sure. I'm a business growth strategist and the founder of the CEO Collective, as well as the host of the podcast, Promote Yourself to CEO. And I am dedicated to helping more women entrepreneurs to escape entrepreneurial poverty, to end entrepreneurial poverty where they have no time, no energy, and not enough money to not only do the work that they love, but to have the life to match. There's so much there in that I don't think that people often think about the fact that when you decide to start a business, 
you don't usually start off working less than what you were working for someone else. And for a lot of people, they just create a job for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a common problem for a lot of entrepreneurs. And it's part of the process because starting a business just takes a huge amount of effort up front. And the goal is that once you put in that effort, you build the asset, you build the business, you build the systems and the offers and everything that will have that business running smoothly, ideally, then that becomes a way to increase your impact, increase your income, make a difference. But that's not often how it works for a lot of people. In fact, I would go as far to say that burnout is one of the biggest reasons people close the doors on their business because they just can't figure out how to make it more sustainable. So they're not working all the time. You mentioned burned out and I feel like that's on my radar a lot right now. And some of the things that I'm noticing, um, and I'm wondering if you've noticed that the ratio of people who are kind of hitting towards that pre burnout or burnout phase is higher right now in current times. I would have to give my educated guess that for women, it definitely is. And the biggest reason for women right now is just the nature of the patriarchal society that we live in, where we are the people holding everything else up. Our families, our communities are all not in their normal systems. And we've lost a lot of the support systems that we used to depend on. I just saw a stat that said um, four times as many women as men have left their jobs in the last six months because of coronavirus and because of the impact of it. And that has only spiked in the last couple of months, just when kids are all going back to school. So we're seeing this huge increase of women dropping out of the workforce, most likely because caregiving is falling more to them than to the men in the working world. Um, And so that's data we have related to people in jobs, but it also translates to entrepreneurs who have lost a lot of their support systems. I've talked to women every day who they actually got their business to the point where they had the housekeeper and the babysitter and, um, you know, people helping them out in their business. And then suddenly they lost it all and it all fell back on them. And it's really hard to build those support systems back up again. I'm glad that you framed it that way because I think that they are support systems. And I think very often we don't look at it that way. And that's one of the things that I actually appreciate that you do in that I think in the entrepreneurial space, often support systems feels like, well, you know, who's your social media manager or your OBM or, you know, you need to hire another VA or whatever that is. And, you know, having somebody to help with things like cleaning the house and childcare, picking up groceries, that is a part of support system. And that's not often talked about. And I will say that, yes, that comes from a certain level of privilege, but it really, to me, just kind of harkens back to a different stage, you know, in our society where you had more of a familial uh, generational kind of household. And so it wasn't any one person that did anything. And yet somehow, Here we are looking at one person to run everything for multiple people. For for entrepreneurs right now, thinking about entrepreneurial women, even if it comes to people on their team that they outsource things to, 
if that, let's say I have a, a marketing support person and she's running around trying to manage her kids getting on virtual school at the right time every day, suddenly she can't keep up with the hours. Like the, the systems start to break down very quickly. <laughs> so it is, it is a massive challenge right now as we're all adjusting to like this next normal and how are we going to efficiently do the work that we need to do while also giving ourselves some space and some grace <laughs> to navigate the things that, that we have to. I feel like what you've said is very different than the message from the masses for so long, which is to figure out how to be more productive, how to get more things done in less time and just kind of this hustle culture. And I kind of wanted your take on, you know, the history of where that comes from. Yeah. So I did a Instagram live, I think, (laughs) is it a live or a story or something where I talked about um, through my work with, both of you, I was listening to the um, 1619 podcast that was created by the New York Times Magazine, really exploring the impact of slavery in our entire society, our economy, everything. And there was an episode in there that really hit me because they talked about the direct correlation between the way that plantations were managed using slave labor to maximize yield of crops and how we used to think, or at least I used to think, and I have an MBA, I have an undergraduate in in management. I have so many years of schooling and anytime they talk about management styles or the history of business management, they always point back to the industrial revolution and the assembly lines and the the rise of, you know, factories They did not ever point to a century or two before when these plantations were developing management systems to get other human beings to create as much, uh, you know, yield of crops as possible. And that was such a wake up call for me because then I started going down the rabbit hole, rabbit hole, (laughs) as, as you do when you're a nerd like me and you love like digging into something and What I realized is if we look backwards, if we look backwards, a lot of what we know around business management and productivity is all around exploiting the labor of people who can't stand up or fight for themselves. And it started in slavery and then it turned into the industrial revolution where these, you know, titans of industry could hire um, immigrant workers, women, child laborers for basically nothing. And there was nothing to hold them back from just exploiting those people in order to grow their own wealth as much as possible. And this system is still, if you, if you go backwards into it and look at what has happened, it's still uh, happening. It's still happening today. If you look at, especially um, anything where they've outsourced labor for like garment manufacturing, fast fashion, all of those types of things, it's the same dynamic. It's exploited labor in order to create the cheapest products possible. But even in the rise of our information economy and the shift away from working in a factory to working in a more technical field or a more information focused field, these remnants are still there because the things that they put in place to manage people are still how they're managing people today. The way that 
we work, that number of hours we work was established over a hundred years ago. Um, and not much has changed. And that's why I get so fired up about this because we wonder why burnout is such a global epidemic. And the World Health Organization actually said that burnout is one of the leading causes of illness in the world right now is burnout, is the physical, emotional impact of working so many hours and being so on all of the time. And it's because these systems are rooted in systems of oppression, of systems of dominating other people. So I actually want to pause you there for a second to have you actually tell people a little bit more about what burnout is, because I think it's one of those words that gets overused and people don't quite know what it is. And it almost sounds, it it almost sounds like, oh, I just, I work so hard. Like I'm so burned out. And it's like, no, let's talk about what burnout is and what it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So burnout is not just feeling tired from like a hard day and you just need a little nap and then you'll be back. Burnout is the point where the chronic workplace stress that you have been under has not been managed. So you have not been cared for as a whole human. And this usually leads to an emotional side of it, which could include um, feeling negative about your job, hating your job, hating your workspace. Um, It leads to energy depletion. So just not having the energy to get up and do your best work, feeling tired all the time, feeling run down all the time. It doesn't seem to matter what you do or um, lack of focus, lack of productivity because your reserves are, are depleted. One of the things that stands out to me in that lack of focus areas, I was aware of that being a part of burnout, but in noticing that for me and for some others that I've observed that are experiencing it, it can look like mental fog. Um, like you're, if you've ever went to the kitchen and you're like, I came in here for something, but I forgot what it was or going into Voxer for your client. I, I was going to tell them something, but I don't remember all the details. And that can be a part of it too, that I think sometimes people miss. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is just a part of our society as a whole right now, because think about even 10 or 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't have all the things coming at us all the time. We didn't have the social media that was always on. We didn't have um, a lot of the input happening. And right now the input is happening exponentially. We are constantly bombarded by all the things And it's really hard on our brains to sort through like what is important, what isn't important. And on top of that, as all of the technology has increased, like technically our productivity is off the charts compared to 10 years ago, as far as what we've been able to create in the output. But it's at the expense of people feeling like they have to always be on. Like we're always paying attention to our emails, our inbox, um, people calling us. And this lack of boundaries between work and life is starting to make a lot of people feel like they live at work, especially right now. And there's no separation and no separation can be a dangerous thing. So I agree. And this is where, Indy, I want to get your take on the fact of how with I think what Rachel's saying is very accurate. And I think um, there's a number of leaders or business owners that might be able to see that. But is it possible that that need for team and support 
can possibly push into almost creating burnout for our support systems, for those that are working with us? Like, do you think that's a thing as well? Mm. I'd love to hear what India thinks. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good question. Um, One of the first things that comes up on my radar, which doesn't directly answer your question, um, but it is that, you know, burnout goes beyond the CEO, it goes beyond the entrepreneur, it goes beyond the owner or the face of the company. You know, it, this year has been a lot for a lot of people. Um, and so if you do have a team, you know, that's also on the radar because, you know, as Rachel said earlier, if your um, virtual assistant is trying to gather the kids and make sure that they're getting their schoolwork done during the day, then they're not able to support you at maybe the same level or same quality that they used to. And so there's that piece as well. Um, But yeah, I'm curious to hear your take, Rachel. Yeah, I think this can have either like a trickle down burnout effect (laughs) or everyone can work together to avoid it. And what I mean by like a trickle down effect is if the leader of a business or an organization is grinding and pushing so hard that they can't reevaluate and redesign the way that they're approaching their business or the organization or the team that they're leading, then everyone's going to feel the effects of it. And if the community as a whole, if the organization or business as a whole doesn't value um, how people feel, how their, their work is supporting their life, et cetera, um, then it leads to a lot of challenges because most organizations won't change culture culturally unless there's a change at the top. Right. So that has to be driven from the top down. Like the leader has to be able to say, we value your energy. We value how you feel. We value your um, fulfillment in this role. And I think you can tell a big difference between organizations and leaders that do that, especially those that support women and minorities when you see how their policies play out. So there were some things that came out over the summer, um, basically where some big companies were saying, you cannot work for us if you're also providing childcare at the same time for your own child. They were basically telling their employees, um, we want your undivided attention and it doesn't matter to us that you're going through, you know, this global pandemic and that you might not have childcare or feel comfortable sending your kid to school or to daycare or whatever. We really don't care if you want a job, you have to choose. And that's really unfair. Like that's not setting anyone up for success. But at the same time, I've seen companies that have literally um, gone out and set up like a small classroom in their office so that and hired, I've literally seen a company that went and set up a small classroom in the office, hired a tutor for like a handful of the employees' children to facilitate their virtual learning so that everyone could be happy. And that's a huge difference, right? Like that person's probably not going to burn out or feel depleted because they've got somebody figuring out a new way to support them, a new way to help alleviate some of the stress. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, is your, is your organization, is your business trying to alleviate the stress of the people around you? Or is it just adding more stress to you? And that means just being more creative about your values in action. I think we also saw some of this, um, over, over the summer, especially with so many protests going on across the United States, 
the companies that were saying to their black employees, you know, Hey, if you need time off or if you need um, a counselor, we're here to support you versus the ones who just didn't acknowledge how those people felt coming into work. That's going to have a huge impact on how they show up, their productivity, their focus. um, And if they're going to burn out from that career, so you have to take care of the whole her- the whole person, the whole human. So one of the things that you said, oh sorry, okay. <laughs> no, you're okay. Go ahead. One of the things that you said that stood out to me is number one, acknowledging what's happening needs to happen. And then number two, opening up that door to have the conversation because what one team member or employee might need could look very different than another. And yeah. so as we've had these conversations with different people about making sure that, you know, they're supporting their team. Um, I found that like, there can be this pervasive idea of like, Oh, I, you know, I'm not going to have my people work on the weekends, you know? And I found both Erica and I in conversation about that. It's like, but that's your, that's your perspective that they don't want to. And you don't know until you have the conversation with them. You know, there's no blanket answer to this. A a great example on my team is I have someone with a small child um, that's under the age of six, you know, and so they actually want to work weekends because that is when they're able to have more quiet time to get things done. And they want to work nights after 5 p.m. because that's when they're able to get things done. And so we don't know that if we don't at least start the conversation, especially if we have small teams, um, instead of putting this blanket one size fits all. Everything's nine to five, Monday through Friday. That doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. I think we are going to see a huge shift in a lot of organizations right now. I mean, there was so many people in the world who thought you couldn't work, you couldn't do your job virtually up until this year. And now they've proven it is possible. And I anticipate that we're going to see a huge change in the nature of work and how people work. I think a lot of organizations and businesses that were hesitant to allow flex time or were hesitant to allow um, working parents to work from home. Like if your kid has is sick and needs you to be home, mm-hmm. there were a lot of businesses out there that wouldn't allow that. They would be like, no, you have to take a, a day off and often an unpaid day off. But if they can do that work from home and make it work, like there's so many ways that we can allow people to find the support that they need. Um, and again, it comes down to not just being in it for what you as the business owner are going to get out or extract out of these people, um, in that kind of exploitive capitalistic way of managing people, but instead thinking, you know, how can we all thrive? What would it look like if everyone in this organization was set up for success was well taken care of, had the support systems they needed, had the communication channels they needed, had the flexibility they needed, um, was able to work in a way that aligned with their strengths and their um, needs as a whole human, what would that look like? Like imagine how our entire world would have changed if we had companies like that to work for when we all started. Well. That's putting it mildly. Well, the funny thing is if that were to have happened, there probably would be less <laughs> entrepreneurs would probably be like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay working for somebody else. This isn't that bad, but, Axe. you know, <laughs> but you said something else that I thought was really interesting too. Cause yes, I think there's a lot of companies that uh, right now are realizing that 
it doesn't have to work the way that it always worked. Whether that's, you know, having everyone in the building or just having these physical buildings as a whole, like they're realizing that people don't necessarily have to commute in in order for this to work. And so there's a lot of people that are working from home and these companies are still able to thrive. So they're seeing that this can be done differently and maybe they don't even need to have these buildings. And so it almost makes me feel like, well, what's the question that could be asked to have this not be the afterthought, the, oh, we have a pandemic and everyone's home, but you know, this works. How can we maybe preempt it having to be from such a catastrophic event to maybe say, how can this be done differently? Yeah. How can we move from systems of needing to control everything and needing to observe and watch everything to giving people full autonomy to get the work done, <laughs> but in a way that works for them too. That's mm-hmm. a huge paradigm shift because a lot of the way many of us were taught to, to run businesses or to operate in businesses are about managing and controlling what other people do. Yep. Um, I with, agree. Without a real, you know, thought around how can we empower them to do what needs to be done? but trust that they will make it happen. That's a whole shift. That's a whole nother way of doing things. What's interesting is I've seen firsthand without going into too much detail um, that happening within the federal government. I mean, and if we want to talk about a place that is very structured and very systematic and they have a specific way of doing things and they don't adapt to change really quickly, um, I've seen them have to reevaluate their approach to how people are spending their time working, what hours can they work, working from home. And there's been some interesting shifts that I've seen there where where once before you had to be concerned, you know, as far as that monitoring and things like that of people using their time on the clock to browse Facebook or check emails or do things that they're not supposed to be doing. Um, they've actually seen a reduction in that since people have begun to work from home. Yeah. I love that. And I think that is what will happen when people are able to have more autonomy and more control of their own environment and their own work. If they don't feel like they have to do it a certain way because there's somebody checking over their shoulder to make sure it's done that way. I think we're going to see a huge flattening of organizations. Um, Companies that had lots of layers of management are going to reduce them because people are going to have to be more self-managing. And that's going to play out for entrepreneurs as well. Um, If you have a small team and your team is not self-managing, what I mean by that is they're accountable, but they're responsible for like getting the work done um, without you needing to follow up with them all the time or hover over them all the time. Um, If they can't be self-managing, then it's really hard to get a business to be functioning. This is where a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves burning out so much is because they're trying to grip like death grip onto what everybody is doing and overmanage. But if you hire the right people, pay them really well, honor them and and care for them as a whole human, you'll find that they they can self-manage because they want to keep that type of job where they have that kind of autonomy. Well, you use the word trust. And I think that word is important. Part of having one in a building, you know, everyone here and somebody's kind of I'm going to use the word overseeing you purposefully. Mm -hmm. 
it's from a lack of trust. It's from the fact of like, you know, I don't trust you to do this on your own. And unfortunately, in some cases, I don't trust you because you just don't know what I'm, I'm doing. And so it can come from the other side as well sometimes, but it's very much controlling. You use that word as well. And it is, and it, that doesn't work well. And it doesn't encourage your people to, to do their best work or to really be able to be in their zone of genius. And it definitely is not an, an equitable environment in any way, shape or form, because it doesn't take care of the whole human. One of the things that I feel like you do really well, Rachel, is uh, I've noticed that you have <laughs> a great capacity for trusting team. Um, mm-hmm. and you've also done a really great job at deciding who you're going to bring on and allowing them to support you and releasing that control of things. And I wondered if you could give us some insights into what that's looked like for you Um yeah. where you started versus now. <laughs> um, so I have always had a team from the time I started my business. And the biggest reason why was because I started my business and then I got pregnant with twins like right after, <laughs> which I don't always recommend. That's not the <laughs> best constraint for being more con- efficient with your time, but it does work. If you want to see somebody get more done, um, get them to have a baby. And they will quickly learn how to prioritize and stay focused on the highest value things for their business. And that's what happened to me. Um, I realized I don't have time to mess around. I had these two newborn babies. I was working in my business and I knew I could see where I wanted to go and I needed help. I needed support behind the scenes to make that happen. So I started hiring my home success team, which looked like uh, having a housekeeper once a week having a babysitter come to help me with the kids. And then I started hiring the the team on the business side. And that started with Amber, who's still with me <laughs> almost 10 years later. Um, <laughs> and she was my very first um, real hire in the business to come on and help support me and the team starting as just a virtual assistant. And I realized the biggest thing that I needed support with were the kind of everyday tasks that were taking up a lot of my bandwidth. Like at the time it was answering all the emails, returning all the phone calls, um, booking everybody in my calendar. This was 2010, 2011. There weren't all the fancy tools (laughs) y'all. This is all new stuff. Um, (laughs) but that's what Amber helped me with at the beginning was just getting those little everyday things off my plate. Um, all the back and forth between my clients, making sure my clients were scheduled, making sure I had everything I needed, doing research. That was the first little baby step. And we've really grown together because now she's my director of operations. And I think because we've been together so long and we know each other so well, that makes it easy to trust her. <laughs> but the other part of it is I always... um asked for her opinions and asked for her thoughts and asked for her feedback. Like, how could we make this better? Like, I really have always asked my team what they think we could do better. How could we improve this? How could we um, support our clients better? And they've given me amazing insight and amazing ideas. I also empower them to rein me in. Um, And I say that because if you're an entrepreneur and you are the big 
ideas person, the visionary of your business, we tend to come up with ideas nonstop and it can actually really cause a lot of chaos in any team. If you're constantly changing direction, if you're constantly coming up with new ideas you want to take off with. And so I empower the team to tell me no. And in fact, that's probably the biggest thing that they tell me all the time. <laughs> and I laugh right now, but, but you need, you need to empower them to push back against you because in a lot of ways, um, they are kind of protecting myself from myself. My greatest yeah. skills as an entrepreneur can also be my greatest weaknesses. So they're the ones like, once we finalize the plans, if I come up with an idea, they'll look at the plan and say, okay, Rach, you can't do that right now. We can do that. And then they tell me the timeline we could potentially do it. Um, or one area I used to always get in trouble with them is if I find myself jumping into the inbox, they'll message me, get out of there. That's not your zone. That's not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and I, this, that this takes a like lot. Us. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of trust to, to basically tell them like, Hey, you can tell me, no, I'm not just, um, a boss in the way that I think a lot of us think of a traditional management structure, right? Where there's a boss overseeing you up here and you never push back. You never say no, you never, um, challenge them a little bit. We are equal. That means I value what they have to bring to the table. I value their expertise. I value their experience. I value their point of view and they can tell me no if there's something not working or there's something they don't feel, you know, we should go after that particular thing. And I think that's a huge part of it. That's a huge part. Of, you know, you trust somebody on your team when they can give you feedback or they can tell you no. And it might be something that <laughs> you're not thrilled that they're doing that, but you can respect it and sit with it and move forward. Mm, powerful. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've seen um, you talk about as well is, or just do differently, is with your CEO retreats, um, you have people go in and before they begin to kind of plan out their next 90 days or mm-hmm. next 60 days or whatever framework they want to give themselves in their business, you have them immediately go in and decide, when are you taking time off? Can yeah. you talk to me about how that came about for you? and the importance of it. Yeah. I am really passionate about this particular thing because I know how I am wired and I tend to attract other women who are wired similarly to me, which is I am a type three Enneagram. I am a high achiever. I am super ambitious and I love what I do so much that I can get lost in it. And at the same time, I have run myself like into the ground, (laughs) just working too hard (laughs) and not prioritizing things like my health, my sleep, um, my overall well-being, my mental health, um, my family, my friends, having things outside of just my work. Um, It is a blessing and a curse. Again, like there's duality here. So it can be a great asset when things need to get done, but sometimes it makes it really, really, really hard to step back. And I also know that if you are operating a business for a long time, you've got to think more sustainably about how you're operating. We cannot always be in sprint mode. We have got to build in the pockets of time where we're unplugging, where we're taking the time off. Um, it's important for so many facets of your health and well-being, but it's also really important for your creativity 
if you are someone who is leveraging your expertise or your experience as a huge part of your business, if you're not giving yourself the mental space you need, um, the margin that you need in order to come up with those new creative ideas. And everyone who talks about creativity um, and who researches creativity all support that. They all say similar things. Like you need that downtime because that's when the magic happens. It doesn't happen when you're sitting there 12 hours a day grinding it out. It happens when you're out on a walk in the woods. It happens when you're, you know, having conversation with friends. That's when you have those bursts of insight and it can only happen when you give your brain that space. So we've built that into everything because I know that if I don't schedule it, I won't do it. And I also know if I don't communicate it to everybody on my team, then they'll accidentally schedule me (laughs) when I'm trying to take time off. So we, um, in our 90 day plans and really in our whole year plans, we always sit down and block out like, when do we want time off? Because I would never take a job that didn't give me paid time off. So I want to make sure my business is at least supporting me in that way. So I go through the whole year in advance, um, and plan out what weeks do I want off and then I'll decide what I want my other times off to be. And sometimes it can be as simple as, Hey, I want a four day weekend every quarter, or I want to take two weeks off in the summer or two weeks off in the winter, whatever that is. But we plug it in and we plug it in during the CEO retreat. And we also have that built into our CEO planner because I want to make sure that we're normalizing taking time off that we're normalizing the space we all need in order to come back rested and more ready for creativity, more ready for all the fun things we do in our business. And I want to acknowledge that everything that you said, in my opinion, goes completely against the culture that I grew up with of like hustle culture. Um, And I think and I'm curious to hear Erica's opinion, but I feel like that is the norm culture for people of color is to not consider time off, to not consider a time to rest and relax and to prioritize that enough to even think about putting it on the calendar. Well, just the fact that, you know, Rachel, you used the word normalize and there's nothing normal about taking time off um, with how it was given to me and how it was given to mm-hmm pretty much every person of color that I've ever known. Um, Not that it's exclusive in that way, but there's definitely this romanticizing of how many jobs you can work at one time, how many hours straight you can work, how long you can go without sleep, because it's more about hustle equaling achievement. Mm -hmm. And that being tied to oh, you took a day off. Oh, well, you must not want it bad enough. Or, oh, you took a day off because, you know, you're lazy. And so rest, recuperation, um, self-care, these are words that I did not learn or really come in contact with in that same way. That was more like, are you sick? Are you like sick, sick? Or like, can you still work sick? And so those things were more with a whole like, you're incapacitated and you know, like you're hospitalized or like you have something where you can't come to work with it. But I mean, if we're going to be real, I feel like growing up for me, it was implied like rest, R and R, you know, um, vacation. That's white people stuff. We can't Mm -hmm. do that. We have to keep working. We got bills to pay. 
Right. It's weakness to not push and hustle harder. I mean, we see it everywhere. It's it's in songs. It's on shirts. It's on yeah. like it's it's glorified. And but yet there's no glory in being on the other side. And as like my therapist says, you're at the bottom of the ladder because you can't function. There's no glory there. No. But it's glorified. Well, and so the thing I'm always asking is how can we change the way our businesses are structured? So instead of the only way to profit from them is by your efforting to the way that you're profiting from them are through the systems and the structure and the way that the business is more self-sustaining. And that's a whole huge shift. (laughs) That's a whole huge shift. But when you're able to do that, then the connection between how many hours you can work is broken, right? You're no longer... Um, really tied to how many hours you can work, how hard you can work in those hours. And I'm not saying you won't work hard, but you'll work more strategically at a higher level. And that's not available to every single person in every single business. But that said, I have, I have watched people who have built nearly any kind of business you can imagine, who have been able to break it from the efforting to really having an asset that creates more out of itself in nearly every industry. And it's, it's just a huge, a huge mindset shift. One of the most helpful things that I've seen um, since I've gotten into business was actually from you. And it's your concept of the CEO scorecard. Could you briefly talk about that? Because it is something that is, it informs how your planner is done and it it gets people really intentional about how they're spending their time. Yeah. So the scorecard comes from um, management consulting, which is my background prior to launching my own consulting business. And one thing consultants love to do is to assign scorecards where everybody has to track stuff. We like metrics. We like numbers. We like data. Well, the challenge for entrepreneurs is that often we get so busy doing all of the things that everything looks like it's important And we have a really hard time prioritizing where we need to put our time and energy. And when everything looks important, when everything seems to be valued the same, all the tasks on our to-do list, then it's really hard to discern what will move the needle forward, what will move the business forward um, versus what will just kind of keep you in the busy work land. So the idea of the CEO scorecard is that you track your time which many people have done some sort of time tracking study and they're always very illuminating. If you want to instantly be more productive, track your time because the awareness eliminates a lot of the um, kind of mindless stuff that we get sucked into. But you track your time and then you assign each task a dollar amount based on how valuable it is to your business. So in my scorecard, we have kind of four categories. The $10 an hour category is usually things that are more admin, more customer service, like getting people on your calendar or dealing with your inbox, kind of lower level things that aren't necessarily moving your business forward, but they have to get done, right? Then the next category is the $100 an hour category. And these are tasks that I would call skilled tasks, um, these are things like copywriting or 
creating um, content for social media or project managing or doing your Facebook ads, any of those types of things, you wouldn't just want anybody to do those. They've got to have skills and um, experience around that area. It's not necessarily, again, they're not high growth activities, but they're kind of like maintenance level activities. Then we get into more of the growth and revenue generation activities. And this is the $1,000 an hour bucket and the $10,000 an hour bucket. The $1,000 an hour bucket are going to be things like doing your own strategic planning, managing your team, having one-to-one sales conversations, or creating sales assets um, for you to use in your business. And then the $10,000 an hour bucket is where growth really happens. And this is where you're getting massive visibility and exposure for your business. So going out there to be a public speaker, being interviewed in the media, being interviewed on podcasts or writing for other big um, websites or blogs. This is where you're really getting high levels of visibility um, into your business, attracting more people towards your business, and also doing sales one-to-many. So if you're having not just one-to-one sales conversations, but you're having one-to-many sales conversations, that's when you really have the opportunity to ramp up growth quite a bit. So I use this scorecard every week in my CEO planner. I have a goal for how I want to do, how much value I want to put into my business. And this instantly clarifies where I should and shouldn't spend my time because my goal is $25,000 worth of value. There's a whole equation we can link up to (laughs) in the show notes. Um, But if I'm going to grow the seven figure business that I want, which allows me to create the jobs I want to create, allows me to contribute to my family in a meaningful way, allows me to do so much amazing work in the world. Um, But I have to show up differently. That means my time is mostly spent in the $1,000 an hour or $10,000 an hour bucket. That's not actually what I get paid. (laughs) Don't don't feel like that means you have to get paid. It doesn't cost $10,000 an hour to work with me. But that's how I operate. That's how I show up for my business. And it completely changes um, everything for me because it prioritizes my time and energy as the CEO of my business on growth on client acquisition, on things that move the needle revenue wise. It also gives me clarity on where I need to have support because those other things still need to happen. So it helps me identify where I need to hire people on my team, um, where we need to build systems or infrastructure to make those things more efficient and where I need to make sure I'm not getting in trouble. So my team is allowed to kick me out of those areas anytime. (laughs) (laughs) super helpful and I I really just love that you have this integrated into your planner because I think it can easily get lost when we're looking at our day-to-day tasks and to-dos and schedule to get caught in those $10 an hour and $100 an hour tasks and before you know it it's been hours spent on something that really we could have had support team helping us with absolutely and it's easier now than ever before to find amazing people. I often say I think the most underutilized people in the workforce right now are moms who want to work and who traditional society has not made easy for them to do great work because of the different infrastructure issues we have in in our labor force right now. So if you need support, there's amazing people out there who want five hours a week, 10 hours a week, And 
they are happy to take those things off your plate and do them really, really well and take great care of your clients. And that frees you up to go after the bigger things. Very, very powerful conversation. Um, we'll link it to the, in the show notes, but um, just also a reminder if you're listening and you're like, I need that planner, you can get it over at rachelcook.com. Yep. The CEO retreat changed so much. And it just so happened that India and I planned to do her in-person version, which we wanted it because we wanted the energy of being in the room with Rachel and all of these amazing women that she would attract. And the damn Rona showed up and that didn't happen. So we did, yeah. so we, we did it virtually. And this was right when things were, were starting. This was like right yeah. smack in the middle of March. And she shifted really quickly. And the beauty is that she did in person and virtual to begin with. And so um, and that's another one of those things where that could be a whole episode of its own. But yes. Rachel very well um, in so many ways models what it looks like to give yourself more than one model so that if you do need to pivot, you don't break your business. And so that was a great example of it. And there was so much that came from that. And it's something that Indy and I continue to do. And so, you know, we, we, we go back through, we set those, those goals again. We know that we want to take time off. And so it makes it a lot simpler to understand what are these sales goals? What are they attached to? We make sure that there's personal goals involved and it's not just business. Like what you have created as this framework that you give with that and your planner and just understanding that scorecard and where you are as a business owner. So much of that um, that comes with the CEO retreat really changed everything for us. And it's just one of the reasons why we're grateful for you. That's a long list, but that's one. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> It was extremely helpful. And just like anything else, the insight that you have when it came to productivity, when you brought that up, I thought that it was so important um, to talk about because of the fact that it's not talked about in that way. And yeah. I think for some people, they've been hearing hustle in this way that they've almost stopped listening. And it's like, okay, so then if we start to talk about productivity and attach slavery to it, maybe that'll get you to kind of slow down and listen because I do think it's ironic that to be in a place to where everything is slower because of the pandemic yet people are probably burning out more right now and yeah, so definitely. addressing that is important absolutely it's so important and it's so important to think long term about how we're going to create the world we want and that starts with how we show up in our businesses I often think about, you know, my kids are 10, 10, and seven, and I want them to have opportunities to work for companies that aren't just going to be like some holding place for 40 years until they retire. You know what I mean? I want them to have full, beautiful lives now. And I think we need to normalize that as much as possible um, because we're living longer than ever before. Life is too amazing and there's too many things we can do to just hate the work that we're doing or to rebuild those systems that make the people who work for us hate working for us. We want to change it. Mm -hmm. So it starts with just changing our own lens of how we look at it. I agree. 
Completely. So if you were to kind of leave one thing as if you haven't already given a lot, but if you were to kind of tell people <laughs> kind of one thing, because I do think that this is a very, um, it's a large conversation and it does have a lot of layers and it can have some nuance to it. But if you were to kind of suggest that people really think about productivity differently, like what would one thing that you would kind of give them be? Yeah, I would say my first thing based on our conversation would be to plan your time off now to actually go into your calendar, write it in and let everybody who needs to know what time off you need. And this is so important. I often give my clients the assignment that they have to tell me what they're doing in their time off that is fun, that's like on their thrive list, something that's going to make them feel amazing and like pour back into them. And then they have to send me a picture of whatever they're doing. So if they're going on a hike, they have to send me a picture from their hike. Or if they're going to the beach or, you know, reading a book in their hammock, it seems like these things aren't productive, but they're actually some of the most productive things you can do because they're giving your brain the break it needs. They're resetting your energy so that you can show up and do more of what you love. I agree. I love it. If I were to add one thing for our listeners to do as well, it would be to make sure that they check out your podcast. Um, You've been doing some amazing work and being an ally to women and being an anti-racist ally. And there's a lot that can be learned from what you're modeling and living as an example. Well, Different topic, but very important. I could, only, I could only do that with the help of you both in my Voxer on a weekly <laughs> <laughs> to bounce ideas off of. And I appreciate you both so very much. Thank you. We appreciate You're you. You're welcome. Well. So everything will be in the show notes so that you can check out Rachel. You'll be able to learn a little bit more about her, what she does. And when CEO retreat comes back, you need to sign up for that. So when that opens up, when do you open that up again next? Cause you usually do it quarterly. I want to say yeah. you can go find out about it now. I don't know when this episode uh-huh. goes out, but we have the next one coming up December 4th and then every quarter, every quarter we'll have one telling you change your life i I highly suggest it thank you highly suggest it thank you rachel i love this conversation for the simple fact that it really did talk about the tangible and the intangible just like we do in pause on the play the community it's not just about dei all by itself it's not just about your visibility or your marketing or your business practices just by themselves and the things that rachel brings the the levels of value and just knowledge that she comes with all of these things go together we talk about the holistic person the entire person the whole human the whole business and so with all of those things considered This is why it's so important to make sure that you don't leave anything off the table. You have to address all of those pieces. That totality is what really gets you to that place that you are becoming and making that change that you want to see. And so in order to be able to do that in a way that you're not left on your own and you're able to give and receive support, we have a solution for that. That's pause on the play, the community, where we have these conversations, we talk about what's going on, we talk about what's coming up, where support is needed, what are the tangible things that I need to do, what are the actions that I need to take, because being in action is so, so important. So you can be a part of the conversation too, 
by going over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community, putting in your application. We would love to have you. We can't wait. So, you know, I love being here and creating this space for dialogue that really does dive deeper and it allows you to step into a place of making real things happen. So until next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?